So yesterday we learned there's machlekes of Nachman and Rav Sheish, a dispute between Rav Nachman and Rav Sheish as, as to what sort of garments the priests would be wearing when they lined up for the lottery in the morning. Would they wear their mundane garments or would they wear their holy garments, right? So Rav Nachman said they wear the mundane and Rav Sheish said they wear their holy. Rav Nachman thinks to bring a proof from the fact that it says that they would take off his clothing down to his mechnesayim, down to his pants, the assumption being that the one who has won the lottery would have to take up his weekday clothing to get ready to put on his more sacred clothing for the sake of doing the service. So we're on the top of 25a, on the first line, it is not referring to the people who need to take off their vachadik, their mundane clothing, to put on their more sacred clothing. Rather, rather, it's referring to the people who did not win the lottery, and now they're taking off their holy garments because they didn't win the lottery and they're not doing the service today. It also makes sense to say this. Because if you believe, and indeed it's referring to those people who have won the lottery and they need to take off their weekday clothing and put on their holy clothing. One second, they leave on them only their pants. Now, what is going on over here? What sort of pants are they leaving on them? It would seem to imply they leave on them their weekday pants. But Tanya, we learned in a bright stuff. How do you know that when the Kohen is getting dressed in the morning, ready to do the service, he cannot put on anything underneath his linen pants? The Pasuk tells us, And these pants made out of linen shall be on his flesh. It should be directly on his flesh with nothing intervening. So therefore, right, you cannot tell me that he took off all his clothing, but he left on his weekday pants. Why would he leave on his weekday pants? According to you, Rav Nachman, he should not be leaving on his weekday pants. He has to put on only his, his um, holy pants with nothing in between. This is not a question. Like this. He, would, he wouldn't take off all of his clothing before he started putting on the more sacred clothing. So somehow or other, he managed to take off his... He would put on his um, his linen pants that are sacred, and then he would slip off his mundane clothing, and then there would be nothing in between. So we're saying is you strip him down until he has nothing left except for his gachkas, except for his long underwear that are weekday ones, and then he put on his more sacred, and then he slips off the more mundane. Uh, they take off the, the uh, put on the holier garments, they take off the weekly garments. Now what he comes out is only wearing the sacred linen garment pants, and that's it. says, how do I know my halacha, which is that he should wear sacred garments, anybody who's lined up for the highest, for the lottery in the morning, they should wear sacred garments. So the Lishkas Agazis, the place where the Sanhedrin used to sit, was like a very large um, basilica, right? Basilica, I think, means like an open area. The lottery was done on the eastern side. And the elder of the Beit Din, who was in charge of the lottery, was sitting on the west side. And the Kehanim were standing in a circle in a shape of like a, like a, a circle, basically, like a bracelet. And the officer in charge of doing the counting comes. And he takes the mitznefes, right? At this point, what we assume is the mitznefes is one of the thing, one of the garments that the Kayan has to wear. It was a special garment that he wore on, a special hat that he wore on his head, right? And everybody knew that the one from whom he had taken the hat off his head 
That's where the numbering starts. Basically, what would happen is like this. The Kayin Gadol would say, not Kayin Gadol, I'm sorry. The person in charge of doing the pious, what would happen is he would say, I have a number in my head, and the number would be, let's say, 28, right? And he would say, okay, today there's 14 Kahanam lined up. So he would randomly take one, one coin and say, I'm going, the number is going to count from you. We're going to start counting one, two from you, from your fingers that you're holding out. And he would take the hat off his head to remember where he had started, okay? So if you said, if you believe that they were still wearing their mundane garments if they came to be part of this flattery, is it true that people in the regular weekday garments had big day, had a mitznefes? The mitznefes is one of the priestly garments. Why would he be wearing a mitznefes if he's supposed to be wearing, right, the priestly hat, headgear? Why would he be wearing that if he's still wearing his mundane garments, which according to Rav Sheshas, indeed he is not. He's wearing his holy garments. This seems to be a good the Gemara says, in, no, it's actually possible. Rav Nachman, who held that he was still wearing the weekday garments, well, why is he wearing the special piece of the hat? He'll explain like this. There was this thing that the, the mothers of the Kohanim, they would make them a garment that was a replica almost of the priestly garment. So that garment, even by he was permitted when wearing that garment to do the service of a yachid, the service in, on behalf of an individual, but not on behalf of the community. So he actually was able to wear a weekday garment that actually had him in snapas. He had gear in imitation of the regular. So you cannot bring a proof from here that already before the lottery was done, they were already wearing priestly garments. No, I see from here. Lishkasagaz is this chamber of, of that was cut from stone, right? The chamber where the Bezdin used to meet, the, the Jewish court met. It was half in holy ground, half in mundane ground. Mishmami and I also see from here. There were two openings, two doorways into this into this uh, area. One of them is open to the holy area. One of them is open to the weekday area. Mundane, I'm sorry, not weekday, mundane. Because if you held that the entire um, region is considered to be in the more holier part of the base of Mekdash, how could you have an elderly, the eldest of the Bezdin? How could he be sitting on the west side? It's not possible. We know that no one is allowed to sit down in the Beis HaMikdash itself unless you are from the Malchai Beis David, from the kingship of David, right? So if this elder of the court is sitting down on the western side, it must be that it was not considered to be holy. But if you told me that the entire thing is happening in the hall, the entire thing is all mundane region, it is not hallowed ground, then how could the lottery be taking place on the eastern side? We just learned yesterday's daf. The reason why we split it up into four separate lotteries at four separate times is because of this concept that in the house of God, we should be going with an a, a entourage and with fun, with a, with a sense of uh, a vibrancy, right? The dynamism, right? So, well, if it's not going to be in the holy place, then that's not going to fulfill this prospect. The Lekha, this wouldn't be the house of God if it's not indeed considered to be in a holy region. So, we see from here that this chamber was half located in holy place, half located in non sacred ground. And if you say it only had one opening, one second, it's not going to work. It's like this we have a halacha. Halacha is that if you have a region, that is open somewhere in between the holy ground and somewhere in between the non-holy ground. If its doorway is only towards holy, it becomes only holy. If its doorway is only towards call, towards mundane, it becomes only mundane. So if you have the doorway opening out from this chamber into the holy, then how could anybody ever sit in this chamber unless it was from Mahdi Bestav, unless it was from the kingship of David? 
But Tanan, we learned in the Mishnah, Halishkes habenuyas vachal, the chambers that were built on non-holy ground, ubsuches the kaidish, but they are open up towards the holy. Teichin kaidish, the inside of them are also considered holy. If you believe that it was open to a non-holy region, pious b'mizracha, how are you able to do the pious on the eastern side? Uh, tonight we learned in the Mishnah. Benuyas vachaydish, if it is the lishka, the chamber is built on holy ground. And it is open to the non-holy ground, this the non-sacred um, ground. Then the inside of this chamber is going to be uh, mundane. As we say in Yiddish. Rather, we see from here, that we see that there were two openings into this region. Half of this region was located on holy ground, half located on, on mundane ground. And one door was open to holy, one door was open to non-holy. One of them was open to the holy, one of them was open to the the second lottery. The second lottery, what was it for? The second lottery was, the first lottery was to determine who brings the carbon in the, uh, I'm sorry, who does the Chumas um, Hadashin and the carbon Tamit, right? The second lottery is like this. Who does the slaughtering of the carbon Tamit, right? The continuous morning oil offering. Who does the sprinkling of the blood? Who takes out the ashes from the from the altar that is on the inside part? In other words, the altar that the incense was burnt on, okay? So who removes the, the ashes from there and the next day? Who removes the ashes from the candlestick? They would take out the, the one of the, the, they would take out the cups and the, taking out the cups and then clean it. And who takes the limbs up onto the ramp? A rush would have the head. One person would take the head, the regal, and also the right back leg. Another person would take the two front legs. The tail and the left back leg. The hachaze vehagayra. The chaze is like the the not the ribs, but uh, like I guess the the front of it, basically, like the the chest, basically. Vehagayra, and also the gayra is the throat. Ushtei defanes and the two sides, which would be the ribs. Kirvayim and the insides of the animal. Vehasaylas and the fine flour that comes along with the meal offering that comes along with the continuous meat offering. Vehabitin and the special types of cakes that are fried in oil. Vehayin and also the wine. In total, there will be 13 Kohanim in this lottery. A, a total of two people, one to do the slaughtering, one to do the sprinkling. Two people want to do the, the inner altar, one to clean the inner altar from the ashes, one to clean the candlesticks. Six people to take up the limbs and the innards, a total of 10. Another three to take up the flour and the wine offerings. He says the way in which it walked is the way in which it was brought. Okay? So in other words, it's not so clear if this is machlekas, but it seems there will be machlekas in terms of the first listing of it was just the breakdown of the total types of offerings, total types of um, split of the of the different parts of the animal that's brought up, or was it actually listed in order? And Rabbi Kiva, in the name of Rabbi Shua, explains. I'm sorry, Ben Azai explained in front of Rabbi Kiva in the name of Rabbi Shua exactly. The Gemara asks a question. When they make this lottery, did they make a separate lottery, right? So we just had 13 different Kohanim involved in the service. Did they 13 times make a count or did they make one count and then continue on for wherever the count ended for the very first one? You, you're the one who gets to do the slaughtering. Guy next to you, you get to do the sprinkling. Guy next to you, you get to do, right? or, or do they make a separate lottery for each of the service? Ashma, come on here, approve. Arba Pisces, Hayashim, there are four different lotteries. What do you mean? If you're going to tell me that they indeed made a separate highest, a separate lottery for each and every Abayda, you cannot tell me that there's only four services. There are many services. This is what you have to say. 
There are four times that they would go in for the sake of making a lottery. Into each and every lottery, each and every time they went in to make a lottery, they were making many separate lotteries for each of the different uh, things that would have to be brought. Tashma, come in here, proof to the question of did they make a separate lottery for each service or did they make one lottery for each group and then they would follow each thing together, right? So the two possibilities are, we know there are four different times that they came together for the service to make lotteries. The question is, each of those times they came together, did they make one lottery? And then once determining the first person of that group of services, they would just go on and on and on sequentially, right? To the next person for the next service. Or do they actually make separate, separate um, countings each time for each service? There was no pious for the machta. There was no pious, no, no lottery to determine who gets to take out the pants of the, the cold pan. The kayanu was the one who has the had the merit of bringing up the kateris that day. He would say to the person who comes with him with the coals, together come with me. And let's take out the machta. Let's take out the the uh, the service pan, right? The pan that has the coals on it. Shani machta kateris The question is like this: It seems like only the machta and the kateris. There was no separate pious, no separate lottery to determine who gets to take it out, because it's essentially one service. But the implication would be that other things might be might indeed would need a separate uh, uh, lottery. Ikadamri. Another another way to say this: Dafka machta kateris. Only the machta and the kateris, which is one service altogether. The burning of the incense and the taking out of the fire pan. Maybe each other, that, it's the fact that it tells us that this one does not need another lottery, it teaches us that every other type of different service needs a separate lottery. So, indeed, we then would say there's many, many, many lotteries. It's just four different occasions in which we do the lottery. No, it's not true. Machta is trichle. We need it actually to teach you specifically about the machta. Perhaps since it is not something that happens often, right, that it causes people who do the service with the Katharis to become wealthy, as we'll see in the Mishnah and tomorrow's doctor, they will do tonight. Niskan la pious with Neasma, that you might have thought that you actually make a separate pious for this, even if you don't make a separate pious, a separate lottery for each Abaida, but maybe for the fire pan, you make a separate pot, separate lottery. Mashmala, and then even this, you do not make a separate lottery. Tashma, come in here, poop. You not make a separate lottery for each service. The person who, the Kayan who merited to be the one to do the Shakti and the slaughtering of the Karman Tamin, his 12 brothers, the Kohanim, the 12 brothers next to him would be the ones to be, to be chosen one after the other based on his, his place. We did see from here that they not make a separate lottery for each grouping. They made one separate lottery for each group. And then after that, the, all of the separate um, services that would happen at that time would be based on where the first lottery ended. The second lottery. The Gemara asks two questions. Who's the person who gathers, who takes the blood in a, in a container for the purposes of sprinkling? We said that one person does the shrita, one person does the zrika, the sprinkling. Who is the one who actually collects the blood? Do we say the one who does the slaughtering is the one who does the collecting? The Amazarik Makabal is if you say the one who does the sprinkling is the one who does the collecting of the blood. Since he's about to run, go do the, the most important part of the service, which is to go do the sprinkling of the blood, perhaps he's not even going to wait for the, all the blood to come out, and you're supposed to wait for all the blood to come out. So maybe we don't want him to be the one to wait to, to accept the blood. We want the person doing the slaughtering to get the blood and then hand it to him. Or perhaps we say, perhaps the one who's doing the sprinkling is the one who accepts the blood. 
Because if you say the one who does the slaughtering is the one who takes the blood, we know sometimes a non kayin does the slaughtering of the animal. And if you say that even the, the person who does the slaughtering accepts the blood, you might end up having a non kohen accept the blood, which would be unacceptable. Tashma, come in here, approve. And cut, right? So we have two different possibilities here. Neither, both of them have their problems. Mara now says that we have a proof to one opinion, to the opinion that the person who shechts is not the person who takes the blood. Ben Katin also yud based out the kiyar. We know that Ben Katin was a kayin and he put 12 different spigots onto the kiyar, onto the laver. So that way each kayin could wash their hands at the same time. That the 12, his 12 brothers would be able to do the service with the carbon tamid. They could wash their hands and feet at the same time. Now, if you said that the person who does the shechita also has to be the one to accept the blood, he also has to make his hands and feet holy by washing them. So then it would be 13 total. But if the slaughtering is, can be done even by Israel, by a Jew, Right? Then even if a kayin decides to do it, it clearly is not part of the abayda, it's not part of the service. And it would not be necessary for somebody to wash their hands and feet prior to doing the slaughtering if they're not going to also accept the blood. Rather, we see from here, the one who is going to do the sprinkling is the one who accepts the blood. We also learned in Ebraisa. We see that the Ebraisa says explicitly, if the sheikh, the one who slaughters, he shechts it, then the one who accepts the blood is the one who accepts it, and then he goes to run and throw it. You see, indeed, that the person who shechts is not the person who collects the blood. What's the way that an animal walks? First the head, and then the right back leg. The breast, and then the, the chest and the neck. Then the two front legs. Then the two ribs. The tail, and the left. And the back, um, and the back left leg. It was actually offered up in the order in which it was um, the, the skin was played. What's the way in which it's played? First the head, and then the back right leg. Then the tail and the left hind leg. Then the two sides. And then the two front legs. And then the, the chest and the neck. It's brought up in the way in which it was cut up. How is it cut up? First the head and the back right leg, and the two front legs, then the chest and the neck, then the two ribs, then the tail and the left hind leg. Basically, the aimer, it is brought up in the in the order of its of the of the parts of it that is the best. What's the part of it that's the best? First the head and the right hind leg. Then the chest and the neck, and then the two sides, then the, the, the tail and the back left leg, and then the two front legs. It says in Yechaskel that every good piece, and with the examples that it gives are the Yerech, right, which is like the thigh, the hakasef, and the shoulder, right? And, and uh, over here, they're brought down as being the, the least holy parts of the animal. And not least holy, I'm sorry, least delicious parts, right? The least significant. When it says that the that the um, the kahusha animal, an animal that's a very lean animal, does not a very uh, not, not very muscular, not very delicious animal. So then the last thing that you would bring, I'm sorry, then the best thing of it would be the the back and the the thigh and the shoulder, right? But when it's an animal that's a delicious animal, then indeed this would be the final thing. Both of them agree that you go after the order of the meat, which one's better, which one's worse. 
One of them goes based on which one's larger. So if you have a part of the meat that's larger, even though it doesn't taste as good, that would go first. Another one says, no, you go based on the part of the meat that's, that's more, uh, more delicious, right? So, yeah, you could, you could have a brisket, and the brisket might be very, very large, but it doesn't actually taste so good. Then you could have a, a skirt and a, and a hanger, and that's delicious, even though it's small. My time, Asaka Rego Bahadi Rish. The one asks, why does the, the foot go along with the head? Why can't it go separately? The head has lots of bones in it. So therefore, we put the we take the um, the foot together with it. Everybody agrees that the head goes first, right? How do we know this? How do you know that the head and the fats come before all the rest of the limbs? The pasuk says his his head and also its fat, and then the kain shall arrange it. Now, what about the fact that it also says later on that the, the, the fat is also mentioned separately from the head? What's going on here? Lamaya, so what's it coming for? Look at the Tanya for that, which is teaching in the Brisa, turning the page now, 22. How would they do the service? They would take the fat and they would put the fat actually on the place where the animal was shechted. When the shechita actually happened. Why? Umaleo, then they would bring it up together. This is a way of showing respect to heaven. Because when you take the fat and you put it onto the throat, that is a way of showing respect is the throat does not look so good. It does not look like a live animal anymore. It looks pretty gross. There's blood there. So you put the fat on top of it to cover it up. So to the next mission. The third lottery. People have never yet brought the Kateris offering, incense offering. They are the ones who are involved in the lottery. We do not allow people who already brought the Kateris to be in this lottery. And then the fourth lottery. New people with old people. The fourth one was a question of who gets to bring the evarim, the limbs from the actual altar up onto the fire on the mizbeach, right? And the ramp to the fire. Tana, Zakta Gemara. Tana taught us, the person would never do the incense more than once. My time was the reason. I'm not cleaning up nation. because it makes you very wealthy. Doing the kfaris makes us wealthy. Amar leira papa labaya papa says labaya. My time. What's the reason that the kfaris make you wealthy? E lema if it's because you learned the drasha mishum dechsev because it's written in the Torah. Yasimu kfaris vapecha. Put the incense in front of Hashem. Dechsev basra. Right afterwards it says barach Hashem chelay. Hashem is going to bless his army. Right. So the fact that it compares the two, it says the blessing will happen after the kfaris. That itself is the, is the way that we know this from. Yehachi if so oilanami then also bringing the carbon oil should also be true. It's written there, and you shall burn it upon your mizbeach. And immediately afterwards, it says, and Hashem will bless you. An oil offering are brought multiple times a day. It makes not so much sense that the very, very frequent occurrence of an oil offering will lead to the person bringing it to become wealthy. It makes more sense to say that the virus that's brought twice a day will lead to the person bringing it to becoming wealthy. We have to choose one of the two. Rabbi says, I never found a Tzor Merabanan, a young rabbi who was able to give Torah rulings, unless he came from the tribe of Levi or from the tribe of Yisachar. Levi, Levi, as it's written, they shall teach Yaakov your laws. Yisachar, it's written, and the children of Yisachar were the ones who had understanding of the times, but that's my Yaase Yisrael, know what Yisrael should do, right? Also, we know that, that they were the ones who calculated the calculations of when a new moon would be coming. Mm-hmm. And that's another another way of explaining that they knew and wisdom of the times, they, they, they had the ability to figure out the moon's schedule. 
maybe Yehuda also should be included in the ones who could be great Torah scholars. It's written, Yehuda Yehuda is the one who is mechaykek, who puts together the law. Indeed, Yehuda, they could be big Talmudim but there is something unique about the people who are able to learn a sagya, learn up a Talmudic topic, and learn up the, the commentators, and then be able to walk away with the halacha of the sugya, right? There's two different things. There's the, there's the guy who was able to come up with the logic and he could talk a lot about the, the thought process, but the guy who's able to walk away with the halachic conclusion, that's a different level. They did not make a separate pious, a separate lottery for the Talmud Shavayin Arvayim. Every day, there was two karbanas that were bought every single day, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. Today, we have uh, shachris and mincha come you know, uh, in uh, corresponding to those two karbanas. They were called the continuous morning offering, the continuous afternoon offering. When you made the lottery for the morning offering, according to Rabbi the guy who won the morning offering also wins the evening offering. The guy who won the morning also gets the afternoon. The same way they make a lottery for it in the morning, they also make a lottery for it in the afternoon. That's only referring to the Kitharis, to the infants, but not referring to the carbon Tamit. Where it says, Vahatanya, the Bryce says specifically, the same way they made a lottery for him in the morning, so they make a lottery for him in the afternoon. Now, Kitharis is a feminine, a feminine uh, verb, a feminine uh, word. And therefore, we would not say make a lottery for him, we would say In fact, we say make a lottery for him, teaches us that we're referring to the carbon Tamit. Gemara says, aim Allah. Change the verse, amend the verse. When it's a brisa, we have a little bit more allowance to change the verse. Not the verse, sorry, the, the phrase in the brisa. And change it to la for her. But Tanya Kashem Shafaisan Loy Shachris, Kach Shafaisan Loyarvis. It says twice in this brisa. First of all, the same way they make a lottery for it in the morning, they make a lottery for it in the afternoon. Kashem Shafaisan Loy Shachris, Kach Shafaisan Loyarvis. So, same way they make a lottery for, it, for her in the morning, also a lottery for her in the afternoon. So clearly over there, you cannot say that both of these are referring to the Katayras, because you wouldn't say it twice, and you would not say once man, once female, once female, once female. Over here we're talking about Shabbos. Since the new group of Kahanim are coming in, and the new group of Kahanim are coming in on Shabbos, you'd have to make a new lottery in the afternoon, because the group who won, the person who won in the morning, he's leaving already. You have to make a new lottery for the one in the afternoon. But on a typical day, Rebbechon could still be correct that you make one lottery in the morning and that's that satisfies for the afternoon one too. Well, the Midasalika didn't make our according to what you believed initially that perhaps you make two different lotteries every day. The Fishulu Pisces, there'll be more than four lotteries. Maisukulu Mitzafra Asu. No, you would say like this you would do all the lotteries in the morning, including the one for the afternoon. The one who wins the, the um, the morning one, they win the morning one, then immediately afterwards, in the same time period, you would then say, okay, who's ready for the nighttime lottery? And then they would win the nighttime lottery. They wouldn't be able to do it yet, but they would win the lottery already then. Harivi, the fourth one, Chadashim Yishanim, the new ones together with the old ones. People have already done the service, but people have not yet done the service. Now, this is like Rebbe Yaseh. This mission is not like Rebbe Yaseh. It's not, we learned in Rebbe Mishnah. Rebbe Yaseh, 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 Rebbe the Rebbe He's also the one who gets to bring them up onto the Mizbeach. He was the Malikas. One of them held the Rav Amhajasnela. The more people, the better. There's a certain mitzvah and there's a certain um, a way of showing respect to the mitzvah when you have a lot of people coming together to do the service. 
we don't want to have two different people doing the service. Why? Because it's the place of, uh, of Hashem. Since it's the place of Hashem, if you have more than one person involved in doing the service, it would seem that people are not so interested in doing the service and they have to split it up into two. That will have a bad appearance. So both of these are very good reasons. And both of these are logical reasons, but they're obviously conflicting reasons. And the question is, which is primary? Amarava. Right, because the came, but so Pisces, because then there would be too few lotteries. So Behuda already told us that there's no lottery for the cold pan. Rather, the people who were bringing up the incense would also split the cold pan. And according to Eliezer, there's no lottery for the ability to bring up the limbs up from the from the ramp to the altar. If they were both correct, then there would only be three lotteries total. If you find a Tana who believes that there are five lotteries total, turning the page now, say five lotteries total, then clearly he does not hold like Yehuda, because he holds that there was a lottery for the fire pan separate, and there was even a lottery for taking the offerings up, the limbs up from the ramp until the altar as well. New Mishnah. The carbon tummy, the continuous offering, can be brought with either nine kahanim total, would bring it up. 10 kahanam total, 11 kahanam total, 12 kahanam total. The mission is going to explain. Late pachas, not fewer than nine, but not more than 12. Kate said, how is this so? Atzmei betes, on a regular day, carbon tamun was brought by nine kahanam total. The chag, if it was sukkus, the yad echad sukkus shalmayim. One person would also bring along a uh, a little flask of water as well. Arikanasar, that's 10 people. Bein arbayim, the afternoon tamid, the echadasar was brought by 11 people. Who asked for So the regular offering by nine. Ushnayim beyadayim, shnekaz reyit. And then they also, at the same time, would also put down the two logs of wood. To be another two kahanim, one to bring one log of wood, one to bring another log of wood. The Shabbos on Shabbos, the Echadas, or also on Shabbos, you would have a total of 11. There would be the nine people bringing up the different parts of the carbon comet of this uh, offering, continuous offering, and be another two people bringing up the two uh, containers of frankincense. You put it on to the, together with the Lechem Apanim, with the uh, showbread that will end up getting burnt on Shabbos, right? It was in addition, there was also a 12th man together with the, the flask of water as well. They would only bring the, the water offering on Sukkot together with the the morning continuous offering. How do you see this? On Shabbos, it falls out during Yom Tukhag, in the hand of one of them was a flask of water, right? Now, if the if every time the water was brought on Sukkot, it was brought on in the afternoon as well, then you would also need 12 Gehanim any time in the afternoon on Sukkot. Why? Because on Sukkot, you have to bring the water libation. If you also brought in the afternoon, we just got finished saying that in the afternoon, you always have to bring 11 Gehanim, right? Nine for the actual service of the of the offering, and then two for the logs. Well, if you also need someone carrying the water, then every day of Sukkot you would end up with 12. Even on a weekday of Sukkot, you would have 12 total in the afternoon. I also learned we said to the client to do the libation. Lift up your hands. The Tzadukim had a dispute. The Tzadukim do not believe in Teresh the oral Torah. They want them to have a dispute with the rabbis. The dispute was... When they do the libation, do they do the libation by pouring it into a special place on the Mizbeach, or rather, do they do the libation by just pouring it onto their feet? One time, somebody poured it down onto his feet. And all the people hurled their Esregim at him, and it was not very comfortable for him. He was getting pranked with these Esregim because of the fact that he was not uh, he was not operating the way that the 
Rabbanim want them to operate. He was operating the Tzaduki principle that you don't believe in the Nisachamayim, because Nisachamayim, the pouring out of the water on the Mizbeach, was only of oral Torah origin, and they didn't believe in it. Shmamina, the fact that they all had their esregim on them, why do you have your esreg on you in the afternoon when you're doing the libation of water? It must be that it was in the morning, and that's why they had their esregim on it. Tanya, we went to the Raisa. How do you know that the continuous afternoon offering, that has to come along with two logs of wood, one brought by one kind, one brought by another kind? That you shall arrange the wood on the fire. It's not going to be relevant to the morning offering. That's a separate uh, service that the kind should arrange the wood on it each morning. And then afterwards, he puts on the burnt offering. So must be talking about in the afternoon offering that he has to be separate kahana bringing the logs of wood. Maybe they're two separate things. We're telling you that the, the morning offering, the morning uh, um, offering before the guy starts, he has to put wood on the fire. And then after, together with the uh, actual offering, the very first offering, he also brings another two logs of wood. Maybe the Torah is telling you first to arrange the fire and then to bring another two logs of wood at the same time. Imkain, if so, name a crow, or Then it should say, and he shall make a fire, he shall make a fire. Ikas Rahmano, Uvir, Havamina Chad in Treloi. If the Torah would have said, Uvir, only just, and he shall light a fire, then I would have said that only one, right? But not, then I would have said, second. Then I would have said that the Ubir, then I would have said that Havamina Chad in Treloi. And only one person does this and not two people. Then we come to teach us that you should do it once, then you should do another two people at the same time. MK, and then the Pasuk should have said, name a crow. Ubir, Ubiaroi. It should say, and he shall put the wood, or he shall light the fire, and then they shall light the fire if it meant to do them both at the same time. Inami, alternatively. The Arach for and he shall arrange, and they shall arrange. The fact that it says, and he shall arrange, right? And it says that, and he shall burn, that he shall, he shall um, burn, and then they, the archai, they shall arrange, to the and we see, like we said, that there is two different aspects. One of them is the morning, one of them is in the afternoon. Sometimes the second lottery is done by 13 kahanim. Sometimes 14 kahanim. Sometimes 15. Sometimes 16. Sometimes 16. Sometimes even 17, if it's Shabbos of Sukkot. It must be like Rabbi Yehuda, who says that you need an extra kain for the sake of bringing up the, the Eivarim from the ram to the altar. The, the ayal, a ram offering, would be offered up by 11 people. Five people to bring up the flesh, the, the meat of the ayal. The insides, right, would be brought up um, by one person, and the fine, the fine flour offering, the yain and the wine offering, two each of those, that's nine total. Par kare be, one second, one second, you said 11 total. Basar's five. I'm sorry, the kervayim, the silas, and the yain. The insides, the fine flour, and the wine, each of them had two. So that's a total of six for 11 altogether, including the beef. Par kare arba. A, uh, the ox or cow would be brought by using 24 people. regal, you have the head and the back hind leg. the head would be taken by one person. two people would take the leg. the tail with two people and the, the foot with two people. the the chest and the neck. 
Mishnayim, the two legs would be brought forward by two people. Shtei defines Mishnayim, and the two ribs would each be brought by two people. They would each have three people because they were so happy. This is all referring to a carbon that is brought on behalf of the community. The carbon that is brought on behalf of the individual. If somebody wants to do all of the offerings, he can do all the offerings. In other words, if I, as a Yisrael, go to the base of Mekdash and I say, hey, you, Kayin, I really want you to bring my carbon for me, right? He gets to bring all of my carbon. That's what they want. In general, the halacha is that the hefshit, which is the flaying of the skin, and the nituch and the cutting up of the animal, can be done by a non-kohen, right? By all of these offerings can be done by a non-kohen. Hana, they learned in a b'raisa. Hefshetan, in nituchan, the halacha is that the hefshetan, the flaying and the cutting up of the meat, shavin bazar, they can be done by a czar, by a non-kohen. Amar said, minayin lehefshet in nituch, shavin bazar. How do you know that the law in, in terms of the cutting up and the uh, and the flame, they are the same that they can both be done by a non-Kayan. She never says, says that the sons of Aaron, the Kayan Gadol, shall put the fire on the altar. Only at the time of putting the fire on the altar does it need to be done by a Kayan. But the cutting off of the skin and the cutting up of the animal do not require a Kayan to do this. Turning the page. What do you mean? You need this for the sake of teaching you the halacha that a Kayan has to put on the fire. I found that Abayah that having missed Berlay Lebrei, he was teaching his son Tera, and he's teaching in this passage Veshachat, and he said like this Veshachat, and he shall shach. The shchita bezar kshera, the shchita, the shachting of an animal can be done by a zar. It is still good and not going to work. But where are you coming from, right? Why would you assume that you cannot have a non-kain do the do the shachting to the slaughter of an animal? Why would you think you need a kain to do the slaughtering? From the fact that it says you and your sons with you are supposed to keep your kahuna. So you're supposed to keep your kahuna. I see from here. Even the shita, even the slaughtering should be done by a kayin. So slaughter the bull in front of Hashem. And then it says, and then the, the sons of Aaron should bring the blood. From the time of the collecting of the blood, it's clear that's when it transitions that only a Kayan could do it. Um, he shall rest his hand and then he shall do the Shrita. We see from here that the, the slaughtering of the animals can also be done by a non Kayan. Come and see. But this is still Abaya speaking to his son. From the Kabbalah, the accepting of the blood, that can be from the Kayan's job. Well, if so, then why do I need to say that the sons of Aaron shall put it onto the fire? We already said that from the time of the blood, it's already their role. So, of course, putting on the fire, which comes at a later point in time, should be their role. Exclude that the hefshet, that the, the flaying of the skin and the nituach and the cutting up of the animal can indeed be done by a non kayin By Kati, it's just still that it's necessary to teach us. Since when you put the animal on the fire, it's not considered to be a service that's absolutely essential for atonement. say you do not require a kain for that. It's even though it comes after the earlier point of the accepting of the blood, maybe the accepting of the blood is absolutely essential. Putting the meat onto the fire, maybe that's not essential. still teaches us that you require a kain to do the service. So rather you have to say like this. And Aaron's son, the Kehanim, they're supposed to take the Nitachim, the pieces of meat that have been cut up, the Rish, the head of Esapadr, and the fat. Come and see. From the accepting of blood and on, that is considered to be a, a, a mitzvah of the Kayin. 
So why do I need the pasuk of and they shall arrange it? The mute have something to to exclude the cutting of the skin and the cutting of the animal. The aim of the mute is see the snake is raised. So maybe it's coming to exclude the putting of the two logs of wood that maybe a non kayan could do that. Mustabra, divcha, and the kavase mustabra that it's a case of it's excluding something which is similar to it, not excluding something which is dissimilar, which is the something that's not related to the actual slaughter but related to the fire of putting the wood on the fire. Other of the says, actually, on the contrary, see that the Kavasim Mayat, we should rather say it excludes putting of the wood on the fire, because that's like similar to the arranging of the pieces. Let's talk about that. You wouldn't think that. The Amar Mar, the Hikri of Akayin, Esak Palamas Becha, the Kayin shall offer up everything on the Mizbech. This is the bringing of the limbs up to the ramp. Only the bringing of the limbs up to the ramp is going to require a Kayin. But bringing the logs of wood does not require a kain. Well, then this implies that the putting of the two logs of wood does require a kain. Then why do I need a pasuk to tell you that the kahanam should arrange the pieces? Exclude that the, the flaying of the skin and the cutting up of the animal that could be done only by a kain. Maybe this is also necessary to teach you that the arrangement of the pieces on the, on the altar needs a kain. Perhaps you might have thought that a non kain can do this. I love a hikta kain as I call them. I ask us then what we need that the Torah the teaches us that the kain should bring it all up and on the mizbeach. What do you need that for? The miute have shifting to exclude the plane and the and the cutting up that can be done by a non kain. Hikta kain as I call them So then when it says that the kain shall offer up the the entire thing on the altar, zuhe lecha sevaram lekavesh. That's referring to taking the limbs up onto the ramp. That needs to be done by a kain. That requires a kain. The carrying up of the wood does not require a kain. So it, the implication is that the putting the, the two logs of wood would require kain. And when it says, and they shall put it, right, it's referring to it itself, that a kain is required for putting the wood on the fire. Well, then when it says that they shall arrange two, it says Varakushnaim and they shall arrange the pieces. Varaku, it means two pieces, right? It's a plural word. Bene Aaron, Shnaim. It says the sons of Aaron, also two. Hakehanim, Shnaim. Two sons, two, two Kehanim. That's totally, these are all these are plural language. Lamanu, Litlesh, Atan, Shisha. This teaches us that when you offer up a lamb, you require six as well. Amrav Amnuna. Nuna says, Kashle, Rebeliazer. According to Rebeliazer, it seems shver. It is difficult. Hai, the Ben Habakir, Siv, this Pasuk is written about the Ben Habakir, a calf, a young, a young bull. You need 24 people. And he explained that the Pasuk says upon the wood that is on the fire that is on the altar. What is the matter about which it said? The wood, the fire, and the Mizbeach. That's referring to the lamb. You have a non-kayin who arranges the, the maracha, the wood pile on the Mizbeach. He's liable to the death penalty. What does he do now? Parka, he should break it up. The chayzer and then he should go back and rearrange it as again, right? So somebody who did it, arranged the wood pile, is not allowed to do it. First of all, he's going to be in deep trouble. But what do we do afterwards when the wood pile has already been arranged? He should take, break it apart and re, rebuild it. Mayahanile, how does that help? Ella parka zar. In other words, the gemara first needs to say that maybe the non kayin should put it back together again. Well, that doesn't help anything. So rather, the gemara says like this: the non kayin has to break up. The wood offering that he already set up, the sudra kayin, and then a kayin comes and reorganizes it in a way that now the fire is being properly built by a kayin. 
Is there an Avaida? Is there a service that would be okay to do at night and yet still would be invalid if done by a non Kayin? Gemara asks, and is there not? There's the putting of the limbs and the fat that we said is considered to be a nighttime Avaida and cannot be done by a, a non is non Kayin. That's not really a nighttime Avaida, not a nighttime service, it's rather the end of the morning service. What do you mean? You have the clearing of the ashes from those bath in the morning. So the Gemara says, that's really the beginning of the work of during the day. Once you have made your hands uh, sanctified for the sake of doing the removal of the ashes, you don't have to wash your hands again in the morning. It's already started servicing, you already started making yourself holy at the beginning of the service by washing your hands for the Jumas so both of these are actually services that are brought during their, they are connected to the daytime service. Even though they're at night, they're really either connected to the next morning service or connected to the previous day service. Balakasha. So rather than it's going to be shver, where do we ever find that there's a service that can be done at night and a non-kain cannot do? In other words, the burning of the, of the, on the Mizbeach, non-kain cannot do, even though it's done at night. Elaki yetmar, so rather if it was a statement, a statement was said, this is how the statement was stated. If you have a non kayan who sets up two different logs of wood, if he's liable to death penalty, because it's really the service of the day. Maskala Rabba, Rabba then asks the question, well, if it's the service of a day to set up the wood and to put the two logs on, you should require a separate um, lottery. Rabba forgot that which we learned in a brisa. The person who has won the lottery for the removal of the ashes also won the lottery for the arrangement of the wood pile. And also won the, the arrangement, won the lottery of putting together two logs of wood. The member of the Is that to say that only a service that's done during the day requires a separate lottery? Any service that's done during the night does not require a lottery? There's the burning of the limbs and the fats. Safe avoided, right? Which does require a lottery. Safe avoided the That's not nighttime service. That is really the end of the daytime service. There's removal of the ashes that requires a lottery. Because of the idea, the reason why it requires it is really because of what we said earlier. Because otherwise, people one time were running and they either stabbed each other or pushed them off to be together. Two of them were enough to make it that required its own lottery. Remember that by this yam? Is that to say that only a service which is done during the day, and for which a non-Kayan would be liable to death penalty for operating, that by um, pious requires a lottery? In, I'm sorry, in Zar but if a non-Kayan who did the service would not be liable to death penalty, then it does not require a lottery. You have the slaughtering of, a, of the animal, which we said earlier and earlier tonight. It can, it can be done by a non-Kayan, but it does require a lottery. So you see that even though a, a service that can be done by a non-Kayan and it will be okay, Still requires a lottery, so that principle is not going to hold true. You are right that the, the shlita can be done by a non-kayan. However, since it is also the beginning of the service, therefore we actually did have a separate lottery for it, even though it could be done by a non-kayan. We didn't learn it this way because in the Mishnah we taught the Mamuna would say to them, come and see if the time period of the shlita, the time period of the uh, the slaughtering has happened. It doesn't say anything about the taking place of the arranging of the two logs of wood. So clearly this took place even before the Shrita. It took place at night. The, the things which cannot be done before morning, and if they are done before morning, it's completely invalid. 
that, we would tell them, go and run and see if it's daytime so we can start bringing that service. But but if the logs of wood had been arranged before, then you could still rearrange them after daytime and then you'd be okay. So we did not say, make sure before we put up the logs that it's already daytime. Well, it's not as important. They could dominate other people. Say, is there a service that's followed by another service of Sula Bazaar, which would be invalidated if a non kind does it? You have the putting of the fats turning to 28a now. We're almost done, everybody, because we moved we, very quickly today. Um, so, I mean, we're done already, but we're just going to finish this point right here. You have the, the, the putting up of the limbs and the fats. And it's the end of the, of the service of the day. There's removal of the ashes. That's the beginning of the service of the day. Once you wash your hands for the purposes of Mikram Holi, for the purposes of the Jumas Hadashan, you don't need to wash your hands again in the morning. It's already sanctified in the beginning of the service. Ella Kasha. So at the end, we're going to have the Kasha of Rabzera was going to say that it, that is impossible to say that there are things, services for which a non kayan could, uh, could do, and yet, um, and yet, uh, and yet we do not have a pious for it. And the answer is, as, as of now, is up in the air. Okay, very good. Um, take care, guys. Have a good night and have a great job. We will pick up again on Sunday. Take care, everyone. Be well.